Like, I'd say a good so, thing there's you, no altitude left, but they had to throw that stupid uh, Colorado race in there. Now you, now you have to be good at altitude. I sleep at third floor now at home, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> What is up, party people? Boy, do we have a fun show for y'all today. With Tyler and Scott both unable to record this week, we figured what better time to bring on a guest. So we put out a poll on NC Waves asking all of y'all who you wanted to hear on the show this week. Taking the top spot was none other than friend of the pod, Kerry Warner. Unfortunately, we weren't able to nail him down because he had some bike build wizardry to conduct before the big showdown in the North Woods this weekend, but we made up for it by landing not one, but two other guests instead. That's right, we were joined by Midwest native Alexi Vermeulen and the Swiss beast Coney Losser, both of whom are in the Lifetime Grand Prix this season and shared some stories. They also have both had some standout performances in this series. So kick back and tune in for some fun conversations with these two on the Lifetime Grand Prix, Schwamigan, Vuelta Takes, and more in a pseudo question and answer style format. Give any questions or feedback for the show, drop us a note at bonkrospodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram. And a huge shout out to all of our loyal Patreon supporters for helping us keep things running. If you too want to get on the support action, head over to the show notes. And if you want to pick up a sick Bonk Bros dad hat, that's also in the show notes. All right, let's get this party started. Drew, Drew, you were trying to say that Dylan and I were embarrassing us because we were like five minutes late. You don't even know who our guest is. Yeah, it's Coney, man. <laughs> Coney from Switzerland. Yes. What well, are you in the GP? What's what? Are you in the lifetime GP? Yes. Do you he are? Was, it, it, yes. At the beginning of this year, he was he was sitting in what second, third place, no, uh, fourth, fourth place. Yeah, after the first race. I mean, it's not a big deal. He was in fourth. So you so so you're he's ahead in of Dylan place overall, and you don't even know who this guy is. He's still ahead of me. Yeah. He's in good. Now he's I'm ahead. He's ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. If there was Sorry. no altitude, he'd be winning. <clears throat> he'd be beating Keegan. Mm. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I'd say Wait, good so thing there's you... no altitude left, but they had to throw that stupid uh, Colorado race in there. Now you, now you have to be good at altitude. Yeah. Did you I, used to I race sleep, World uh, Tour? I sleep at uh, third floor now at home, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice it looks like you guys are in the third floor what is that an attic it's just a, it's just a cabin i guess okay it's where we're staying on a lake five star Dude, hold on. so i'm supposed to stay there with you guys is there like room for me it looks like a one bedroom place yeah you're you're up there man <laughs> all right <laughs> just a i was gonna spiders. ask when you did to bring a sleeping bag no 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 there's a bed for you okay i can't believe you haven't left yet no, I can't leave till tomorrow. Okay. Mm. All right. Last minute dad duties came up tonight, so. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, that's the life. Yep. Duty calls, man. But Duty he's calls. sitting in front of our hut. It looks the same window. <laughs> you guys yeah, Alexi, are you? Uh, oh, he's on the lake, Alexi, too. Are you currently in Wisconsin? Yeah. I'm like half a mile from the start. Hmm. Oh, good, good call. Wait, Alexi, what place are you overall in the lifetime GP? Tied for sixth. Hmm. Oh, so Coney's faster than you. It's like it's, so misleading, uh, though, right? I, I because say, they only count two races so far. No, no, no I'm, 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 I'm further back now. So because but, I had a shit race in Crusher hmm. also. But everything, everything's counted, Adam, now. Okay. They took okay. out the two drop races. We've done enough, but it still doesn't. 
it's how do I say this? Sitting like sitting in second last year at Big Sugar, you realize how close everything is other than Keegan. Until the end of this series, nothing matters. So you went into Big Sugar second, and then yeah. did you almost, stay second? Yeah, I almost lost everything though. Oh really? Yeah, it's. I mean, literally with the one point gaps, you can you can move five to seven places easily in the last in race. one race. Mm-hmm. I mean, sitting in tied for sixth right now. I'm five places, five points behind Russell in second. Do you do you think that they should change that, or do you think that's a good thing that they've got oh, I, small gaps? You love, I love it. I love it. Okay. Yeah. It, it makes, it you, want, makes, you want the drama down to the end. It makes everybody race. I, other than Keegan dominating, which is not going to happen forever, you're that makes the series interesting. Mm-hmm. If you whoa, said, whoa, "Oh, there's whoa. double points, double points at at Big Sugar or something else," it'd kind of ruin it. I thought there was double points at Big you Sugar. Have, you just have to go. <laughs> There's it, just a lot of money. The only thing, the only thing with Big Sugar is it's the tiebreaker. If you're tied in points with somebody else, okay. Yeah, and there are a lot of ties, aren't there? Right Usually now, not by that point. Yes. Mm, right now, there's point. quite a few, but yeah, yeah. Whoa, but Alexi, you just said Keegan's not going to be at the top for long. I said forever. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> Twisting my words already. <laughs> Alexi Alexi knows that I'm 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 gonna be training for the lifetime next year. That's what I was implying. So yeah. he knows Drew, what's coming. Drew texted us and he was like, you know, Alexi doesn't want to come on because he doesn't want to sound like a dick or he doesn't want to be a dick or something. And I was like, that's perfect. That's exactly what we want. And all of it should be directed right towards Dylan. <laughs> I'm that's, that's the... All right, Alexi, let's talk about it. Shaving tires. <laughs> I'm not. You I'm know not that gonna... we're sponsored by Manscaped, so I'm, I didn't. That's cool. If you are, if you aren't, <laughs> no, I don't like that. We really should be though. <laughs> um, no, I don't. I I was taught very at a very young age you you don't talk because at some point you get your ass kicked and then it sounds really <laughs> stupid. So yeah. I uh I I will say that I'm here because I love Drew and I'm always up for a good podcast conversation. Um tell them about your na- your first natty champ. For for no yeah I was just about to for, for those who yes. don't know Drew and I raced together in 2011 before that also but that was like our real coming of age as friends. And uh, we had this awesome team. Boys. <laughs> <laughs> we had this awesome team called Turner, and uh, we kind of waltzed around the U.S. and did some big, some of the biggest races and ended up winning. I ended up winning nationals pretty much thanks to Drew. And uh, I guess, I mean, Luke, mm-hmm. Luke Haley and Brian Lucas were there too. And, like, it's, just, it's one of those things that, like, you just can't. My career changed so drastically from that moment that Drew might never say it, but, I like, I – really don't think I would be the exact same place without winning that race. And that was a big oh, wow. thanks to Drew. Wow. Dang. Yeah, I was I was one off the podium. I got sixth. But <laughs> I can't yeah. necessarily say it changed my trajectory. You know, I got to say, Drew, Drew's talked about, like, the demise of his own career, and he usually refers to <laughs> losing Nats to, was it Tobin? He's never oh, once talked about, yeah, about helping that, you but, win Nats on the road. Yeah, that year sucked. If I had won Nats that year, that would have been a big trajectory change. Well, I've said that story a lot, but it, it means a lot more coming from the other person. 
<laughs> like when yeah. I say I helped Alexi win, it doesn't really like, I don't know if people actually believe me. Yeah, it was a crappy course that I hope I never go back to in Augusta, Georgia. So, so 2011, so how old were you guys then? I was 16, racing age 16. Okay, so you were a junior still. I was like 15 years old, yeah. It was, it's crazy to think that that, like, that had an impact on my career, but it definitely did. Didn't, like, the very next year you were on BMC, right? A development team, right? Two, two years, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, it was, it, just, it was like European racing fit me. I loved it. And it like that was my chance to go into Europe and see if I could prove it. Well, then so, why'd you quit? Because this shit's more fun. Okay, good. Good answer. <laughs> Isn't that why everybody is doing it? Yeah, but I think... I don't want to take over this podcast and talk, but I think it goes both directions. Having been in the World Tour, I don't think you compare the two. There's mm. guys that are in the World Tour that are going to kick everybody's ass if they came over, whether that be Pidcock or Wout Van Aert or... Vanderpool, you could name it. There's probably ten guys, but most of the most of the peloton would struggle to figure out how to race here. Like you, you want to know what was the actually the craziest thing last year at Big Sugar was uh, we were all the jukebox guys were staying together, and Adam Roberge and I were super freaked out about all the the um, specialized World Tour riders that were there, and Alexi was like, "They're gonna suck." And we're like, what are you talking about, dude? There's they're world tour riders, and sure enough, he was right. They did suck. Yeah, suck might be the wrong word, but I, I think it's just it's that it's, it's that it's that feeling of just like we all know how it is to go on holiday and take a break. And mm-hmm. Europeans, Connie will attest to this. You go to the U.S., most of the time they're just on holiday and they're ready to ready to just enjoy. And I think they were there for specialized. And I feel, I forget we were talking about this and. Yeah, I don't think you guys you guys thought I was crazy, but at the same time, it's just like I don't know. It's it's the amount of conversations I've had with Europeans who are coming to the U.S. and tell me they're here for two weeks and they're going to California, New York, Florida, and California, and um, and you know Oregon or something. And you're like, that's across yeah. the nation. Do you know where you're going? And it they comes probably back think to that's the- all within driving distance <laughs> from each other. <laughs> I mean, you can drive it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but now yeah. I'm curious. About, now I'm curious about about is it Connie or Coney? Because I don't want to say it wrong. Coney, Coney. Okay, Coney. Alexi was saying it wrong. All right, good. Coney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, how did you end up from Switzerland? How did you end up in Wisconsin for Schwagamagannen? Yeah, I just flew in yesterday. So, yeah, it's also a, from I mean, Switzerland. Yes, from Switzerland. Yeah, it's. I mean, oh. this is not so bad. It's only seven seven hours jet lag. So yeah. now it's a, it's, I mean, it's okay, but yeah, it's a long way. So it's like almost midnight for almost him now. Midnight. He's about to fall asleep. No, no. I had a good coffee. But, so. but I mean, I, yeah, I didn't mean like, how did you get here? I mean, like, what did you do? What did you do last year? Like, were you racing road and decide to come try Like, how do you, how do you go from Switzerland to the lifetime GP? No, I'm uh, since uh, many years professional marathon rider. So I compete in marathon and Mount- mountain bike. Yes, mountain bike. But uh, yeah, like Cape Epic, you probably know like those races um, all over the world. And wow. um, yeah, I've done. I mean, I've done most of the races uh, worldwide. So also the races in Europe. And then I was kind of you know should I continue my career? And then I was just 
Yeah, it's a little bit over those races. I mean, some races mm-hmm. I've done more than 10, 15 times, so it's getting old, you know, at one point. And then, yeah, I saw this Lifetime Grand Prix Series last year from, from the distance, and I, I thought, okay, let's give it a go to apply for the for a spot. Uh, also to just have new goals in my in my career and to carry on. And then eventually I got I got selected because last year I was a Swiss champion. Maybe that helped mm. a bit. Um, I couldn't defend the title this year, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, now it's a lot of traveling for me, a lot of planning, a lot of logistics, and it's a big, mm-hmm. it's not so easy. And um, I must say, <laughs> as Alexi told before, it's not that you can just show up here and compete at your best because a lot of races, for example, Crusher, I made a bad experience with the altitude. I've never made it before. Mm. I mean, I'm a very good climber, but uh, it doesn't help if you can't deal with this um, altitude. And then mm. that's also the reason why I skipped Leadville, for example, this year, because, you know, I just realized how, what's the altitude about. And uh, I can't, I can't make the preparation for this race in Europe. I can't stay that high. So, you know, if I want to come back, I, I'm sure I have to stay a bit, uh, let's say two or three weeks before that, uh, like all the guys mm-hmm. here. I saw they all make a, so much effort into the series. And this year for me, it's more, yeah, it, it's very difficult. Fly in and out. Like now I go back uh, Sunday. This Sunday I fly back to Switzerland. Next week I come again. I fly to Denver from Zurich again. I'm doing the red and then I go back home again. Then I come back for the final. So it's like flying in and out. Wow. The problem is that this year my, I don't... Yeah. That was that was my next question. If if you fly home in between. So you have a family at home. So you're, you only come race and then you're back home because you want to see your family, right? Yeah, I know I don't have family now. I have a wife, but uh, she's also oh. racing. But um yeah, it's actually it, it it's much it's almost easier to fly in and out because then I can fly to the spot because now for example, I would have to take an inland flight to Denver from here. But then I have to take two bikes. So the next race is a gravel mm. bike. I can't travel with two bikes, so it's easier for me to fly back. And also, like now, I don't have a base where I can, you know, store my stuff, where I can feel at home also if I have to stay stay for such a long period of time. So it's actually easier, yeah, to do it this way. And it's also cheaper. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a lot of a lot of money. The U.S. is not so um, cheap as I figure out. And for me, it's actually cheaper to fly fly back for a week than to, to stay somewhere because, mm. you know, I don't, I, I don't have to set wow. up. At this stage, maybe, yeah, if I come back next year, I could plan a bit uh, differently and uh, I can, I would hey, definitely. I got a real, I got when a real stay in a shed, it's got to be real cheap. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I, w- <laughs> I would definitely change a few things. Also, the racing, I mean, as I said, I have a lot of experience. I think I also have um, a good level in marathon racing, but yeah, the gravel thing, I mean, Unbound was a big, <laughs> a big uh, disappointment for me, also a bit. It's it's a lot of, of learning for me. It's not just that you can come here and push your watts and then you're on the, the yeah, you're on the no, ground. There's, it's, there's it's definitely a, a learning curve yeah, for gravel. It for is. Sure. It yeah. Is. Uh, that's um, just what Dylan says to make himself feel better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm such a good gravel racer. You pros don't know. <laughs> I mean, Unbound was my second time on the gravel, you know, in a gravel race. So. It was his mm. second time in a gravel race and he still beat me. <laughs> Well, that's not saying much. Yeah, no, it's definitely not. <laughs> All right, so we we have two people on the podcast that I, I think actually have a pretty good shot of taking the win here. What are you guys going to do to take down Keegan this weekend? Oh, oh Keegan's not racing Virginia this weekend. What? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. Dude, Kennedy's not even racing in Virginia, and he lives there. That's such a bummer. Yeah, he's going to drive right past a UCI cross race to go to Schwampgaman again. How how far uh, does he live from that course? I think like 10 minutes from wow. a UCI. And I can guarantee you he'd rather be doing that race yeah. than the one in yeah. Wisconsin. That being said, of all the Grand Prix races, this one probably suits Kerry the best. Yeah, probably. Sorry, I didn't mean to hijack your question. You said, what are you going to do to beat Keegan? Yeah. No, that was that was my question. Let's get back on track here. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Drew and I were kind of talking about it before everyone got on. To me, this course, everyone's got, got one match. Half mm-hmm. of us have to light it before we want to. Some people hang on to it. It's, you can't, it's like doing, you know, if you had a, an all out one minute effort workout, like, okay, eight times one minute all out and you have full recovery. You're still never going to do the next seven like you did the first one. And so I think there's definitely luck involved here, but it's just, it's so fast. It's, it's almost 20 miles an hour on a mountain bike. And yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't think there's anything to compare it to. And I think that's why you can, you know, there can be guys that nobody's seen all year who come out and are in top five, top 10 of this race. No question. Yeah. You think the race is going to be decided on the fire tower climb or there's still going to be a group after that? Is it going to be dry or wet? For those of us that (laughs) don't know the race, myself included, how far... How far we, from the finish is that climb? We could describe the course a little bit because there's probably people listening that have no idea what we're talking about right now. You guys are really good at this. <laughs> <laughs> These podcasts don't have any scripts and, and we don't have a list of topics either. Yeah. Um, yeah, Schwamigan. Mostly grass, lumpy, whole time. Uh, it is more famous or this location is more famous for the Berkey ski race which is probably the biggest ski race in the nation um cross-country ski race so you pretty much have for most of the day 15 to 20 feet wide of grass and that's what you're racing on um it's about 40 miles long typically between two to two and a half hours um and it can be really muddy if it rains does that help is that good mm-hmm. and right, what about that yeah and, and i think uh, i think yeah, what I was going to say is most people will say that Schwamigan, you know, they'll put Leadville in the same category. It's like it's it's not a real mountain bike race. It's not technical because it's not on single track. There's no rock gardens, that kind of thing. But when you're riding a mountain bike at 20 plus miles an hour, like it takes skills to get around this course. It takes skills to pass on lines that are bumpy and chunky. Um, it takes skills to to ride in a pack at 22 miles an hour on bumpy, chunky terrain. So I think yeah, I think but not it's, mountain bike I think skills. Come on, Coney, you're uh, with me I, right here, right? Yeah, he's, no, he's a mountain biker. I, I brought my 120 travel uh, full suspension bike, full suspension bike. So, am I right though? I mean, the, the, there are bike. there are going to be people on full suspensions for sure. You're not going to be the only one. People, I bet for you sure. there's more full suspensions than hardtails. Yeah, what do you bring? Hardtail. <laughs> I brought I brought a, a hardtail. Okay, I mean, you, but you, I pre-rode with two guys, both on full suspensions today. Yeah, like majority of the field will be. I mean, it'll be close, but majority of the field will be on 
okay. full suspension, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you never race the full suspension. Like you didn't no, even I race it. At, you didn't even race it at Sea Otter, which is arguably the most full suspension course of the series. But that that was a mess. I should have. I okay. like. I was on the road for four weeks, and that's what I had shipped to Sea Otter. Yeah, gotcha. Gotcha. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. and you don't you don't pick a full suspension for Schwamigan because you need the extra suspension for any technical sections. You need it because it's so bumpy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what suspension is for, right? It's to yeah, take no. all the chatter out of the train. Yeah, I mean, I think the. <laughs> Yeah. I think it just depends. It it depends on what your skills are, what you plan on doing, and how you want to execute tactics for the race. Right? That's the only reason any of us pick any bike setup. Like Drew and I mm-hmm. talked about that at Gravel Nationals. Like, where do you think the race is going to go? Kaboom! Set your bike up for that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And in the end, if you don't have the right bike, like Leadville is a good example. Everybody and their grandmother was talking about thirty eights and forties and fuck forty twos with Lachlan, and I was like, I put it on, and I was like, I fucking hate this gear. And I went back to a 36 and I was like, if I get screwed in the sprint, I'm going to get screwed in the sprint. But like, didn't happen. At least you'll be there. Yeah. And I was just like, I was like, this is the gear that better for me coming up power line, which is all that matters. And which was what? A 36? 36. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I thought a 36 was fine. Um, yeah. But the real question is Alexi, why didn't you run drop bars on your mountain bike? It's <laughs> <laughs> so not good enough. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> For all those listening, that was Alexi making fun of Dylan. I translated. Are you it. my tan- are you my translator? Yeah, I translated. Dude, it. Alexi, let's let's hear it, man. Let's hear your. I we want to hear your honest thoughts on drop bars for Schwam again. I think there's gonna be uh, more people doing it. At the Schwam listeners, again, right? the listeners are not tuning in to hear nice Alexi. Yeah, but you didn't mean Alexi's not here. I told Dil- I told Drew that real Alexi would come. <laughs> mean Alexi would come if he won Gravel Nats, and he didn't. So <laughs> you're the people's champ, man. Got to keep, got to keep the ego inside. Uh, no, I do not think personally that drop bars on any of these mountain bikers is, are the right choice. Uh, mm-hmm. I've run through it. I built that bike with envy. I just don't think. And you've realistically, won, you've realistically, you've consi- you've considered it. Yeah, of course. Okay, we, we did it. We did 18 and a half miles an hour here in the mud last year. Who hasn't considered it? It's going to be, if it's dry, it's going to be 20 miles per hour for sure. And I think in the dry is a worse situation for the drop bars In the wet Mm -hmm. is a better situation in my, in my opinion. But what it comes down to, to me is fire tower is not faster on drop bar bike. And that Mm -hmm. is where I make the decision. Mm -hmm. I just don't think you have the leverage you need to get up that climb. I mean, every single year I've done it, it's over 500 Watts for two and a half minutes. Like that's, I can't do that on a, and you think you bike. can't produce that because the position is is just not correct? Uh, yeah, I just don't think I have like with with bumps and rocks and mud. Mm. I, it's just not. It's not. I mean, even a, a mountain bike's hard, but being able to run two point four tires and be happy, which you know, I don't know. I this the stabilization thing is just massive for me. I see <laughs> what you're saying. That does make sense. Like there was, I think two or three. Did you ride the full fire tower last year, Dylan? In the mud? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that, and so, I mean, that's that's the thing is like, so last year I was surprised how many guys were there going into that. I don't think there will be that many guys there, and I think there'll be more going over, which is interesting this year. But I just like that, this climb, for those who don't know, it's two and a half minutes. It's just super rocky if it's not muddy, and if it's muddy, it's slippery also. And there's kind of just two sides. 
you can ride through the middle, but it's really, really bumpy. And either, either the left or the right, you kind of have a weird, like still rocky, but you can do it. But when you come into a race and everyone comes in as fast as we do and it bottlenecks, you go from a full stop to going as hard as you can to the top of this. And yeah, I think it comes down to the fighting for position, being able to have my elbows wider and push people out of the way and just having more leverage on the bike. So for me, I looking at these races, it's, it's the overall speed makes a hardtail faster or a drop bar bike faster, but not where the race is won. Hmm. So Alexi, have you ridden the course or race with the uh, races course with this year's modifications where we're turning left to go up fire tower instead of turning right? I haven't raced it. I've ridden it. Wait, okay. what? Wait. I've yeah, the course, is, the course is different. Fire Tower comes like, I don't know, f- four or five miles earlier. Oh, really? It's massively different. Oh, okay. I could, you cannot, I couldn't, couldn't believe it. We were going to do a slower time than last year. No question. Why is that? The race is not over after Fire Tower. Yeah, there's a, there, so after Fire Tower, there's still 16 miles left, I think. So Fire okay. Tower comes almost like in the middle of the race still. 16 miles left and 16 harder miles than ever before yeah why, why are they why are they harder it doesn't stop you do those seven climbs afterwards you get on the road for about three miles and you go back onto the grass with more climbing okay we don't we don't have any of the like fast ripping descents into town did they make it like longer? None, none of that like big spider lake stuff like you go past it but then you get back on the grass okay no it's still 38 miles yeah it's 38 okay. miles but it's let's say last year 38 miles uh you know maybe 15 of it was on dirt road this year it's probably less than half that right yeah it's five six yeah and you come out and you have almost a mile straight out to the finish yeah pretty much all grass and that that mile on the finish because i couldn't tell from the maps i mean i haven't ridden it yet because i'm not there yet uh but we're not taking the traditional Berkey trail into the finish, right? So what is that stuff that we're riding in the last mile? It's hard to figure out. Just, I mean, skinny grass, and you come into that, like, the big grass thing we all know that we came in, took the left-right yeah. in last year, but a mile back. Okay. And you just, just like a drag race straight in. Yeah. Okay. They built, like, this weird multi-use Crazy. path alongside it that I'm guessing is going to be blocked off. Yeah. So, like, yeah, if, it is a, if it is a sprint finish, it's going to be a less technical finish. And more of it just like drag into the line. Up uphill grass drag, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like last year it was a pretty technical finish because there was, you know, there was a left and a right, and then you're on the grass and then it's downhill. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I Yeah. So yeah, this is the first time I wrote it. Okay. Okay. So does that change it at all, do you think? Like do you do you still think Fire Tower is gonna be the, the crux of the course? Being I that it's so it, early, I, I think it still depends on if we're if we're wet or dry. Hmm. Like Fire Tower is one hundred percent still going to massively split the field, no matter what. Sure. If it's wet, it's going to split the field into the race winning move, in my opinion. If it's dry, they'll probably be. I, I could see fifteen guys getting over Fire Tower. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is also yeah, that, the I mean, deepest. The same with every race we've done this year. This is the deepest field this race has ever seen. Right. Every year it gets better and better, right? That's right. The, that's that's the allure of the Grand Prix to me. You can go to these seven races and you're like, this is the best the U.S. and Europe now possibly has. 
So yeah, which I mean, like that's that's what's kind of sick about having guys like Brian Motter come back and do this race after not doing it since the Grand Prix started. I don't know if like it Cole House didn't. is going to be there, but he was always kind of like a staple of of the Midwest. Is Brian Motter uh, doing it. Jordan Wakeley. Oh yeah, yeah Motter will be Brian's there. Fit. Dang. All right. Yeah. That'll, yeah, be really, that'll be really interesting to see what he can do. Yeah, I mean, shit. Five guys who have won this race before and think they have the confidence to do it again. Not let alone there's a bunch of guys who should have won it or could have won it. Did you see who are the, you see lifetime who are the, who are the five? Alexi so, has won it before, so he's saying he's coming to win. I think someone <laughs> yeah, said that. I hope so. I think Dylan already said that. Did you see <laughs> did you see Lifetime put up that post like there's three returning champions and they missed uh they missed you and also uh cole Patton. cole Patton, you know brian motter do, you know, do you know why they took it down because i messaged them and said what the fuck <laughs> really <laughs> I, I like it's funny because i don't care about i don't care don't care about myself the whole like pretending like this race doesn't have history pissed me off yeah. like brian's the one i cared about if they had had brian and payson and Braden, i really wouldn't have cared if me and cole get left out who cares but like mm-hmm. sorry there's there's the reason this race is special is it's been around for 40 years mm-hmm. for sure so and but they but know. they put up a new post but they didn't include brian Motter. i don't think i know well they said five but they didn't have a picture of him okay mm. that's an excuse but i should just i just send them a picture and make them edit it <laughs> i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do that <laughs> um well when Motter won it would have been like before like sports 20, photography was probably a thing. <laughs> that dude won Iceman in like 1995. He's been racing Iceman for and like probably 20 in 2015. Years. Yeah, he, are, are 2015, you, he's probably won it. Like, are you, are, since are you making that up or did he actually win Iceman in 1995? I don't know, but I know he's been racing it for a long time and he's won it a lot of times. Mm-hmm. He did win Iceman. I feel like it was 98, 99. He won it in the one. 90s. So in the 90s. That's sick. He's won Dang. Iceman four, I was four totally times. Ex- I was totally exaggerating when I said that, but that's won impressive. won Iceman four times, which is crazy. How, mm-hmm. how, many, how many times has he won this race? Schwamigan. Two or three times. He won last in 2015. Has, has Mater ever won all three Triple Crown races in one season? Ooh, has I anyone done that? Who was the third one? Lumberjack? <laughs> no, not Jack. <laughs> no, it's uh, the order shore. Order oh, shore yeah, up yeah. in the in the UP. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that one. Two thousand nine, he was trying to win triple crown with Iceman, and he did not do it. I don't think. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so Alexi, so now with you know with with Schwamigan being part of the the Lifetime Grand Prix, obviously it's elevated the level of competition and the notoriety around the race. <laughs> If you had to pick which race still matters more to you, Schwamigan or Iceman, what do you think? Which one stands on top? Not even a question. Iceman. Iceman. Yeah, that's all. That's what all. I figured. Yeah, that was uh, your Iceman's in Michigan. It's pretty similar well, to this race. Yeah, I mean, you're from Michigan, and but that was it's one of so- your that was one of your big breakthrough rides off road, right? I mean, that was like one of your big results when and you it were was also. I think it just like, I, it was, so 2018. So I, I left the road in 2018. I had this like weird, like freak out that I loss of identity and kind of went back and raced a couple months continental. And then I was like, yeah, I'm done with this going into Iceman 2018. I kind of had 
talk to companies and I was like, Hey, if I podium, can we talk about a contract? Like just trying to sell myself and get into the sport and finished second to Kabush that year. And I did not know who Kabush was. I was like, who's this old man? How did he just smash me? Was, hold on, wait, was, was that the year that he was on drop bars? Yeah, I was so pissed. I know. All right. So Alexi, how do you feel about drop bars for Iceman though? (laughs) Horrible. There's the wrong choice. I hope you do. I hope you do. I hope you do it on a year that's muddy. Dude, horrible. Yeah, so anyways, go back to your Kabush story. With drop bars. Yeah, Kabush. Yeah, he had he had the gearing, and I think I is one of those things of just like ego, right? I was twenty four, and I just I was so, like, okay, I want to hear, I want to hear why you think drop bars is horrible for Iceman because I've never done Iceman, but every single person from Michigan, when they see my bike, they're like, that's the perfect Iceman bike. Yeah, but have any of those guys won Iceman? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not taking any of their advice. I'm just saying I've not done Iceman, but a lot of people have told me it's the perfect bike for it. Ask Harry how it was to chase Riley Amos through single track on a drop bar bike last year. It's it's just it's not. I Iceman comes and goes with the people that show up, um, but it's it's the same as he. I just it's. I'm a very sentimental person. Iceman's a mountain bike race. Whether or not it is the best at a given time, I will never ever race a drop bar bike there, and I will I will make sure that most people on drop bar bikes do not win that race. <laughs> like Carrie, I would have won Look, Iceman in twenty twenty one if it wasn't for Carrie on a drop bar bike. All right, wow. And like it's just it's see, just it's a you think it's you a feeling on your like, way or what? No, see, Carrie honestly, me down. honestly, Alexi, down. honestly, Alexi, you and I couldn't be more different about this. Like, I don't. But to me, like, I don't care has at all about this. I, I don't care at all about who's sentimental about what a race is. I just want the <laughs> fastest bike. Wait, did Carrie <laughs> win Iceman? No, he ruined his chance at winning to chase oh. me down and Cole won. Oh, got it. I still give him shit for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cole won Tromian and Iceman yeah. that year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I just I don't. Like, for me, it is. Yeah, it's it's not scientific. It's not anything. I still would put my money that it is not the fastest bike. It might be for you. I don't think it for is for many people. Um, and I say that about Kabush every time anyone asks. I was like, cool. You go drive your bike through Northern Michigan when it sleets and snows with a drop bar and enjoy that. And it's not going to go well for most people. So I think it just now, it depends you, on the person. Now you do know but, that a lot of people race cyclocross with drop bars on like pretty for technical sure. it's not about, not Yeah, but a, I think you about, have to. I think it's not, a rule. You're not being chased. You're not chasing someone who's a World Cup athlete. Yeah, but you are because bike. there's World Cup athletes who do cyclocross. No, but like you put him mm. on a mountain bike course and it's it's different. Like look at Carrie. Ask seriously. Bring Carrie on and ask Carrie. What was it like chasing Riley through the single track? It ruined his entire race last year. Yeah, but year. Carrie's running drop bars at Schwamigan still. I know. I still don't think it's the right bike. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll bring Carrie on. We'll ask him for you. <laughs> See, now, now I think, Dick Alexi I think, uh, is coming I think, out. I know what's it. happening. No, I know I, what's <laughs> happening. Alexi has had such a bad time w- with his world tour that even the thought of curly bars is like, I hate that. <laughs> So he's like, I mean, he's, all day. he still has to do gravel races, you know. He just took second yeah, in gravel nets. Is that w- is that why I still race road nationals? <laughs> yeah, you do, man. You smoke. What were yeah, you fourth? Bike you were fourth there two weeks ago or two no. years ago. Two years. Well, ago, a couple yeah. years ago, you were fourth. 
actually without a team we're we're getting a little off topic here but run us through your thought process of doing tt nationals because that was surprising to me so i love doing cool shit okay like this the point of being able to race like gravel is not that cool of a sport it's a (laughs) it's a it's a thing that can be done on like i ride i ride my hardtail 90 percent of the time Uh uh-huh i most of the time it's not the fastest bike but a hardtail is way more fun to do anything and i just i want i don't want to get stuck in just racing seven races a year so it's a way to go and do different shit now how much did you I, like tt specialists spend a lot of eight, time on eight a rides team. eight rides okay <laughs> <laughs> including nice. the including the five in knoxville ha, oh sorry how'd you do how did you do sixth okay. wow yeah I was, I was good front, at who, I, mean, I was good at the, tt before the five people in front of you were world tour riders right like like the top mm, of the sport i think one of them wasn't there was one from echelon oh yeah but i was happy with mm. it i mean i i plan to do a lot more but the reality is you forget how much you have to do to train for unbound and yeah. i just i came into the season way flatter than i thought i was going to be and kind of tried to survive since then so all right. Speaking speaking of road, I don't think we can let this episode go by without talking about Sep and the Vuelta right now. Mm. Adam, please tell me you're following it. Even you, you have to be following it at this point. Alexi, you were never teammates with <laughs> Sep. Um, I, I've been for watching. Those of you all don't the- know Alexi was the original American Yumbo Visma rider, uh, but you guys were never teammates at the same time. No. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing I've been following are all the memes that have been coming out <laughs> about <laughs> Jonas and uh, Primos dropping Sep on his birthday. Yeah, people He's are very in the red, though, right? He is still in the red, and they actually did. They actually did not. Not yesterday. Today, they not ride today. No, they did ride today. They didn't. They didn't attack Sep today. Okay. Yeah, people are heated about it. Um. And I don't know. I mean, as Alexi, you're the only person that's raced world tour here. You're, you're the guy. We got to hear your opinion. I haven't watched it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Have you done the no, world? So, so the, the real opinion yeah. is, yeah. is should Jonas and or Primos let Sep win? Another teammates, yeah. so like it's helped so, Sep okay. win. So the two, so the two sides, the two sides of the argument is like obviously they're all teammates. So you you ride to protect the the race leader, and you don't attack the race leader. But on the other hand, there's people saying let the best man win. Um, so I don't know. I mean, <laughs> wait, but aren't they awesome. aren't they racing for the team to win? So if the team has yeah. a better chance of winning because Jonas can put two minutes on Sep, like isn't that the better chance to win? Um, yeah, but they're gonna win anyways. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, think, I think yeah, that's I think regardless, point, that's, I think regardless yeah. of what they do right now, they're taking all three if, steps. If you have four minutes to support guy, you're gonna win anyways. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, but I mean, you're giving up a grand tour win. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know that. I don't know how many people, unless they're in that role where they're in a supportive role. Like, I don't know too many people that are just gonna give up a grand tour win. It's like the ultimate thank you, like to, to set being so, a, such so, a good teammate to them. 
like I, I watched Chris Horner's channel and his take was his take on all of that was they're not, they're not giving him the win. He's owed the win because of how much work he's done for both of them over the years. Yeah. So he was, he was like very much on the side of team. You need a ride for Sep, not let the best man win. I mean, I've like, I want to believe that that is what they should do. I'm just saying, I don't think that's what they want to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, after today, after today, it's almost, it almost looked like they read all the negative comments online and was, and told Primos and Jonas, like, do not attack Sep or we're going to look <laughs> like a-holes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, but they don't have to. They, they. If Jonas is close enough, he'll just smoke him in the TT. That's no more where it's TTs. gonna. I, oh, there's none. I don't think so. Is it another time trial? Oh, I thought there was like no, one final. No, no, no. It's just one. Oh, big well, then at there. this point, yeah, dude, just let him keep it. Like, I thought there was one more individual <laughs> TT, and that Jonas would just smoke, smoke him in the TT. Oh well, then if it's just like a matter of getting to the finish line. <laughs> Oh, dude, he's got, he's got it wrapped up. Like, they're not going to drop him. Yeah, especially because wasn't today the last mountain stage? This one. Yeah. There's uh, one more. Like, one, one really hard day ahead. The second okay. to last day, right? Yeah, Saturday, yeah. Dude, I'm not even following this, and how do I know this stuff? Just <laughs> <laughs> oh, reading so many memes about it. He's got it <laughs> in the bag. He's going to win, for sure. Uh, Alexi yeah. hasn't said anything yet, but he's been smirking the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Alexi is totally following it. He's just, it uh, yes, I've watched every stage. <laughs> I'm not. It's not my place to say. I was. I was on that team. I'm friends with those with Primos. Like, okay. I, it's not my place to say. I like. Once again, I'm sentimental. Of course, as an American, you want to see Sep win. Mm-hmm. Um, that's business. Like, there's there's plans that go into this way before, and there's a lot of money being fought over, winning a grand mm-hmm. tour in bonuses. So I don't yeah. know that it is a, I don't know that it's an athlete's choice and I don't know that it's a director's choice. And that's, I think the hardest thing to dis- distinguish. Also, I will say that for Jonas winning two grand tours in one season is a huge deal, you know, as opposed to just winning one. For Primoz also. Yeah, yeah that's too. Actually. Yeah, that's too. They could both be, so, they could both win two grand tours in one season which is crazy. Or Yumbo could have three different winners for all three of the grand tours. That's pretty cool too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's sick too for the team. <laughs> but if, if Jonas finishes his career with nine grand tours instead of 10. So if, yeah, if, if, if Jonas were to win, uh, win the Vuelta and then he did the Giro next year and he won the Giro, he would be the defending champion of all three grand tours at, the same time which when's the last time that's happened probably whenever epo came into existence <laughs> <laughs> do you still yep. not do you still bust out your your lotto yumbo kit to mm-hmm. to ride around time. in really sure see me at road nuts <laughs> <laughs> yeah right you probably don't even own one yet anymore guess you just gotta go you gotta come <laughs> gotta come help me win road nats again 
All right, this is a real story. Last year when I did Pro Road Nats, for the, this was my first time, and I wasn't able to do it this year. So this is the only time I've ever done Pro Road Nats. And I don't think me and Alexi had raced each other on the road since probably that national championship when we were juniors. And I made it into the lead group with like two or three laps to go. There's only like 15 or 20 people left. And I'm like dangling at the back. But Alexi sees me. <laughs> he looks and says... Whoa, you're still here. And I was like, dude, um, yeah, I'm still here. What's that supposed to mean? And then literally I got dropped like 10 minutes after you said that. But I should have had more confidence in you. I know. I was like, dang, man, that was a dagger. Bro, that that course in Knoxville was, I'm sad it's leaving. It's it's a very fair road. I know. Hard as can be. I was super bummed I didn't get to race it this year. This year was the last year they're going to do it. What other races are you doing in Europe, Connie? Yeah, this year not other many. Grand Prix. Yeah, no? I've done the, the Swiss Epic uh, recently in August. Mm-hmm. And then I've raced uh, Cape Epic early in the year. I have raced mm-hmm. in Morocco, stage race, uh, Titan Desert. And after the last race, um, I will go straight to South Africa and do another uh, stage race down there. And then the last race will be early in December in Namibia. It's like a... No, now I have to convert. It's 220 miles through the desert on a mountain bike. So it's also, yeah. Whoa. So that's a bit the plan. How long does that (laughs) take? So you like racing your mountain bike, like stage race mountain bike. Yeah, I know. He's a mountain biker. I'm a mountain biker. You said that in the beginning, (laughs) dude. No, I know. But like (laughs) stage races on the mountain bike just sound like not fun. Really? I've never, well, actually, I've done Transylvania. Rip your mountain bike six I, I've days done Transylvania, and that was pretty epic. Like, but yeah, no, but that one so, in yeah, Namibia is epic. Eh? It's like uh, fourteen, fifteen hours for the winning time, and just uh, through the, the desert, the, the two hundred and twenty mile one. Yes, yeah, yes. Wow. So I'm interested. What does you race rose bikes? What? Which which bike company do you race for? Rose. Ah, Rose. Yeah, Rose bike yeah. this year. Yeah. What do they think of the Grand Prix? Mm. I mean, for them, you know, it's a German brand, and the main market <laughs> is obviously Europe. So, <laughs> I don't know. Eh? <laughs> it's. Uh, I don't say. I mean, what do, what do Europeans think of the Grand Prix in general? Do they not take it seriously? No, it's too far away. Yeah, it's too they far. And the problem is also now. I mean, this year they brought back the Marathon World Cup in mountain biking. So there's four races. The last one is actually in the snowshoe. But you yeah, know, you're not that, doing that. No, it's on the same date. I think like uh, the red. It's the same week oh. as the red. Yeah. Yes, and Bummer. it's also you know for teams. I mean, like I'm doing it very basic. You know, I'm traveling alone, flying alone. But I mean, for the big mm. teams, it's a lot of a lot of budget, a lot of money yeah, to come here and race here. If you want to make it like, yeah, maybe you need stuff. Maybe you need um, Swanier. The whole setup, mechanics, and so maybe one day it will get there. But I think at this stage, the, the big teams in Europe, they focus on the European calendar and uh, race there. Maybe Cape Epic. I mean, even Cape Epic is so expensive for most of the teams. And yeah, but I mean, now this year already it has a good uh, coverage on social media, the, the Grand Prix. So maybe next year there will be more guys. But yeah, it's going to be difficult. I mean, I figured out myself and... Um, yeah. <laughs> so, Coney, for you, so kind of going back off to, to piggyback off of Lexi's question, like, 
Does the Grand Prix bring enough value to your European sponsors that they want to see you back in the Grand Prix next year? Or are you kind of forced to have to go and do some of these other European races in order to get the promotion they're looking for? No, there's definitely no, not much interest of my sponsor racing here. Okay. Um, I'm racing as a privateer rider, so I kind of have my own setup. So I can choose my races, which is nice. But uh, I think, yeah, for the future, if I want to come back, maybe I must, yeah, I must get a sponsor for from, from the US, which cares about what I'm doing here. I would also be willing, you know, to race more here, come this side. There's more gravel races, obviously, like belgian waffle rides or whatever and i then, don't do those those aren't fun at all okay <laughs> you think so but yeah i mean for <laughs> no dylan just wants to win them he doesn't want yeah, to yeah i show can't up. have you come in all those rides <laughs> it's hard about i do i do those races because races. the lifetime people don't do those races <laughs> but you know my main reason is also because i get to see all the countryside i mean different places so it's pretty cool and um it's like um yeah i'm doing a little bit of uh, holiday in the u.s which is just planned by the lifetime because i have the locations where i have to go and um it's like a journey a journey throughout the so year. if if you and your wife got into the grand prix next year you could just spend the whole summer here yeah that was actually once the plan but now i mean next year she probably race again at the olympics okay and then it's yeah. a bit difficult that mm. yeah, to build it around so that does take priority over the lifetime yeah. gp yeah yep all right. What if we went to Switzerland? What way, which, what race should we do if we went to Switzerland? That's, you, that's what we said, big because you don't have the conversation about sorry. drop bars and ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's all just it's all just flat bar. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Yeah, you're not going to survive okay. with bars and flat bars. I mean, <laughs> most most mountain bike races are. It's an obvious choice, flat bars. No. But like the Grand Prix is unique in that every mountain bike race in it, other than. But sea otter is like but that's also so special because in europe we never have this topic about which bars there's only well most people mm. don't have this you topic do in, in uh beach racing right yeah oh, yeah in the beach races okay yeah, beach but, races. but all the mountain bikes uh, race i have competed i mean cape epic or yeah. the transal there's not even you don't even think about having other yeah. bars on your bike well i think the only <laughs> reason why you think that people think about it is because you know me if you if you stayed yeah. with somebody else, you'd be like, "Who who's thinking about doing drop bars? What?" Yeah, <laughs> no, sure. I mean, Schwamigan, there'll be what four guys, five guys. I know three. Uh, me, <laughs> me, Stetna, Carrie. Who else? But I will I will wait Adam. for the results well, afterwards, and then we can have to. There'll be, there'll be more. There'll be more. I think. I don't know. Adam, you're riding your curly bars, right? Oh yeah, Adam. Yeah. 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 I bet you. I bet you that they'll be less than ten, but more than ever. Mm-hmm. And I bet all of them are subscribers to Dylan's YouTube channel. No, the pro writers who do it, like they probably don't <laughs> even watch my videos, but yeah, you know, they've Sorry, just Dylan, I don't even watch your videos. <laughs> yeah. I said the pro writers who do it. <laughs> <laughs> I have another question about Switzerland. What's the best thing about Switzerland? The cheese. <laughs> this is a yeah, travel cheese. podcast. Cheese. I chocolate. don't know. <laughs> When are, we, when are we gonna ever have somebody from Switzerland on the pod again? Dude? We've got to milk this. The podcast before the rad, we can have him back on again. All right, because yeah, you guys I'll are gonna stay in the attic again. Yeah. No, Switzerland is beautiful <laughs> in summer and winter also, but I prefer summer. Mm. No, we have a beautiful landscape, good riding spots for mountain biking, road bikes, everything. 
I mean, I think yeah. I've been to Switzerland. I think Cross and, Worlds were in and Switzerland the thing one is year. Also, I mean, it's a little bit closer. Everything. So in three hours, you're gonna pass whole Switzerland, mm-hmm. and here is next town. Yeah. <laughs> should we uh, should we hit some listener questions before we wrap this up? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Okay. I'm just going to pick a random one because it said endurance mountain biking. And that's, we got Coney on the show. So, sup, bros. I'm planning to do a couple endurance mountain bike races this fall that are both the do as many laps as you can in six hours style of racing. So, we're talking like a you know, six hour, 12 hour, 24 hour style of racing. So, my first time doing this I'm, type of race, so I'm trying to figure out the best plan for fueling. I'm thinking I'd mix my bottles so each lap so so each lap one bottle and one gel would get me around the track. But I'm trying to decide if it makes more sense to travel light and make a quick stop every lap for a new bottle, or if I should carry both bottles and only stop every other lap. Maybe try to push it and run a pack and then I can run a couple laps without stopping. A little worried that three bottles wouldn't be enough hydration for three laps. Uh curious to hear your thoughts. How long are these laps? Do we know? You know what that, you, that you is want, context you want to know, that is not provided. Yeah. You know what's the best is when you do a lap race and the laps are almost bang on an hour. Oh, 50 minutes. 50 minutes. Okay, well that's close. That's close to an hour. Yeah. Cuz cuz when each lap is almost exactly an hour, it's very easy to plan nutrition. For sure. You know, you think you think in terms of grams of carbs per hour, right? And then every time you come through the pits, new bottle Maybe maybe some. Yeah, in most no, most twenty four hour, twelve hour these style races try to do that because they know that logistically that's easier. They're usually like anywhere from twelve to fifteen mile laps. I I don't know. So he's saying like how many laps can I go? You know, maybe if I can go more laps without stopping. My question is, how long are you stopping for? Like it, to pick a <laughs> bottle off a table, you don't even have to stop. You just grab the bottle off the table. You're good. I it, in my mind it's obvious that you would just do one bottle per lap to have the lightest setup possible. You know, like why? Yeah. So, he's, so he's thinking the one thing I'm going to add: and going three laps without stopping. It's like you don't yeah. need to do that. You just grab a bottle off the table every lap. Yeah. The only thing that I'd add here is I agree. That's exactly what I would do: is set up a table where you can just grab the bottle and go. Um, maybe later in the race. I don't know like when the race starts, but if it starts to get warm at any point during the race and or like later in the race, uh, you might start to get some pallet fatigue or something. You might want to have a second bottle of just water that you can mm-hmm. like spray yourself off a little bit or rinse out your mouth or something like that. Like just having pure water is nice on the bike sometimes, but I wouldn't, I don't know if I would carry like two bottles worth of, uh, mix with you at all times. Yeah. If, if the la- if the laps are close to an hour, you know, hopefully this guy has an idea of how many carbs per hour he can handle during a race. And then it makes it very easy. It's like, grab that from the table every lap, consume that every lap, grab it again, go. It's yeah. actually, honestly, lap mountain bike races that are around an hour lap are probably the easiest to get your nutrition right because every lap is the same. So, you know, you know, like, you know how much you need to be downing throughout the course of the lap. Yep. What's the most you've ever done in an hour, Dylan? The most carbs I've ever done in an hour? Probably 120 grams. Mm. 
What about you? Dude, I feel like Alexi's going to – are you, like, pushing 200? Like, 200. We're looking here at Alexi. <laughs> no, the, the end of Unbound this year, I did 190 the last from, – <laughs> from, the, from the last feed to the end, just like an hour and a bit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think there is a limit, but it's more fatigue race to race, to be honest, not fatigue at a race for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you – so that's the last hour of Unbound, but just in general, what do you shoot for? what's the race like what? i literally to me this is like it goes down to the non-scientific side of this like and alex and i are training for leadville we just get a burger halfway through eat a burger fries make sure you can keep that down start do a vo2 after and you're good <laughs> yeah dylan do you do that you should try <laughs> yeah, so, a burger mid-ride so yeah, what, how, how would it change like let's say leadville race nutrition versus uh schwamigan race nutrition it's just less like swimming and you don't need as much in my opinion. You're not going to deplete resources. Yeah. So you're, so you're not trying to hit like 140 grams an hour or something. I'll just yeah. carry shit and eat what I want. I you think, won't be able to eat much here anyway. If you do 140 yeah. grams per hour for Schwamigan, you're going to be uh, throwing that back up. Puking. <laughs> Cause the, the intensity yeah. is so it's high intense. and the higher, yeah, the, no, the, higher the intensity of the worse your yeah. gut works. So, you you better yeah. eat more chills, like just more sugar, pure sugar. Yeah. Oh, for you guys sure. Do you guys take caffeine? Yes. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I don't know. It's like the in- afternoon races. Cells. Yeah. Go ahead, Adam. E- even for for Schwamigan, like the afternoon, you will. I have. To. I took it for the first time at Gravel Nationals. I was oh. like, oh, caffeine's fun. Wait, you took caffeine for the first time ever at Gravel Nationals? Not, not ever, but like yeah, I don't drink coffee. Fun. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't like need caffeine. Oh, dang, you're a pretty jittery oh. person for not drinking coffee. <laughs> That's why he doesn't I mean, need it. <laughs> when I, when I like wake up and want it, like we got a coffee machine at home. I like texted my friend last week and I said, "Hey, you want to do affogados?" And I had four affogados. But like most of the time, <laughs> they don't don't drink coffee in the morning, and I don't know. Like caffeine, I definitely probably ever I have it in my pocket, but it's kind of like an oh shit situation. Gravel yeah. National, I was like, oh, maybe I can meet Keegan. And I started taking caffeine. Felt great. <laughs> Smart. Still couldn't beat Keegan, but I felt great. All right, let's do yeah. the next question. Okay. Uh, this one will be fitting for Lexi, I feel. Hey, for us non pros, do you think that you can get a. Oh, hold on. The title of the email is Poor Man's Wind Tunnel Testing. <laughs> hey, for us non pros, do you think that. You can get a lot of gains by just having your friends take pictures of you on your bike and making observations. So far, I do that and just try to look as pro as I can. How beneficial <laughs> do you think this is? Even more rudimentary, I look at my shadow when the sun is just right to observe my bike. Thank you, William. Nice. Or, or, yeah, if you're, or if you're or if you're riding through, t- if you're riding through town, look at the shop window. Yeah. Oh, for can sure. Can say Will- he, William? William, yeah. if you feel fast. You're fast, dude. <laughs> so I, I I think that legitimately, I think that somebody filming you uh, from the side while you're riding can can kind of show you how hard it is to actually be super aerodynamic and hold that position. Because I think a lot of people think that they're getting an aerodynamic position, but if you actually look at them, they're they're pretty upright. So it can be I, helpful. I had that exact thought when Joe Gettle sent me the footage he got of me from Gravel Nats mm-hmm. riding behind me. And I was like, I've like narrowed my bars and turned my hoods in and I'm trying to like, you know, 
keep my elbows not straight. And then I look at the footage he gets from me and I look like I'm riding up. Exactly. Like I'm like straight exactly. up. I'm like, what the heck? Like, yeah, I thought I was look like I was intentionally trying to be arrow and it looks not at all like I was <sighs> for sure. Yeah, no, it, and it, it can be very helpful. And I, you know, obviously, I mean, the problem with it, I think that it would almost be more helpful if somebody got footage of you in a race, right? Because anybody can hold an arrow position for 30 seconds when you're being filmed. But if it's in a race and you're actually going really hard and you're not, you know, your, your mind is on racing, that, that's the question. Are you aerodynamic then? So what do you think about just setting it up on the trainer, doing like a, you know, an hour interval session and doing a time lapse of yourself? Mm. Yeah. Wow. You're thinking outside the box, Adam. Seeing how your form deteriorates throughout the ride. Yeah, exactly. With the time lapse. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Getting pretty tech tech savvy there, William, but uh that might be might be the ticket. Yeah, I would say Adam had the best advice out of any of us there. Man, some of these questions are so long. I have another another well, right. yeah, my point is also I mean you must be comfortable at the end of the day mm-hmm. I mean it doesn't matter or it doesn't help if you're super aero but you have you have always issues with your back and your knees and your gluten whatever so in the end of the day you also want to feel comfortable mm-hmm. and it's also about bringing the power down for example at Unbound you can be super aero but you can't produce the power right so right yeah it's always a bit what's the what's in the end of the day what's the deal about being arrow and and the power output and that's what everyone has to figure out I yeah I, yeah i mean i would actually say wind tunnel is garbage for almost everybody they don't yeah. have the information you do not you do not possess the information to go into a wind tunnel if a wind tunnel is your only focus you don't have enough information yeah and having actually gone to a wind tunnel i will say that it is a lot it was Super thankful to have uh, the factor engineer there and obviously Josh Portner and everyone from Silka because it's a lot more complicated than you think it is. It's not it's not Maybe just this- you set yourself up in the wind tunnel, you know, test a bunch of things real quick and then cool, you've got some good data. It's it's way more complicated than that. Maybe this is a taboo thing to do, but um, fast talk. <laughs> Fast Talk, they have a podcast and they did two back-to-back episodes a couple months ago about aerodynamics and then the very next one was about comfort. Um, mm-hmm. So listening to those two podcasts back-to-back is was pretty helpful. I listened to it a couple weeks ago. Got to put a dog on your back, you get arrow. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That was no, the best. That was- no, no offense to the Fast Talk guys, but I feel like they're not, they're more... I don't know. Do they know much about aerodynamics or did they have like an aerodynamic? Oh, they, had oh, they, they always had, have guests on. Yeah, they had guests. And yeah. the guests were like dropping equations during the podcast. So I think mm. it was legit. Dang, I need to go listen It'll, to that episode. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Yeah. I think it was like the aero engineer from Specialized. Alexi, do you ride enough with the dog on the back that when you go to races and you don't have Willie in your backpack, oh, yeah. you feel lighter? No, I get yelled at. Well, but, dog but do you back. feel like do you feel lighter about yourself because you don't have the dog back there? It's like wearing a three liter pack that moves mm-hmm. and okay. barks in your ear. That's Man, like a year ago. Like, I had a, how many, had how a many 70, of your ride, a, How many of your rides do you actually do with Willie? Three or four a week. Three or four a week. Wow, a lot. I mean, Willie did a twenty seven hour training week earlier this year in Tucson. Wow. 
He doesn't like walking. He just rides so his what bike. Are, like, what are the logistics of that? I mean, the like he needs to eat, right? And I mean, he yeah. can eat when I he can eat when I give him food. Okay. He, I pee. I let him out to pee. I mean, like it probably adds twenty to thirty minutes throughout a long ride. Okay. Like you got to let him out of the backpack when you stop to pee. Mm-hmm. It's not like a three minute situation. Yeah. And he stubs around and he get, makes makes you annoyed and you say go potty, go potty, and he doesn't go potty. But yeah. Huh. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's the whole wind tunnel thing was hilarious because people going to nationals, they were freaking out that I was actually going to try to race with them, which is kind of funny. I heard there were multiple people who asked me for some reason if you had done the TT race (laughs) with Willie in your back. People, people, I mean, to be fair, we have data from both. It was substantially, it was not more arrow, obviously, but it filled a gap and it was just his nose on top of my helmet. It was Mm -hmm. not that much less arrow. And and we tested it with a normal yeah. helmet versus a TT helmet. It was yeah, I mean, surprisingly ha- fast. Having having something on your back, I mean that that was probably the most shocking finding from when I went to the wind tunnel is that wearing a U sweep pack, at least for me and my body shape, was faster than not wearing the U sweep pack. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, so if you're if you're if you're upright, we tested both positions. We tested upright and leaned over. If you're upright, it makes your torso more of a, a kind of an airfoil shape. And then if you're bent over, it fills the gap behind your head. Yeah. Yeah, which is exactly what Willie does, just in a straight line. But it, it was just it was kind of fun. That was I, honestly literally the only reason I think I went to the wind tunnel. Yeah. I, I really halfway through was like, wind tunnel's not worth it. I did metabolic testing, which I think is that's what I tell people to do is ten times out of ten. Oh wow. Like, you know, go go do testing and like change your position and see how it affects your power. Like go do twenty mm-hmm. minutes at the wattage you can sustain and then move your position and do the same thing and see how you, you change metabolically. But without that data, the wind tunnel would have been useless. Absolutely useless in my opinion. Because so I what is, affected How does um how much did being in the TT position affect your power output? I just hadn't done the TT in a while. I like done yeah. the position in a while. Obviously, the, like the wind tunnel we were at and doesn't didn't you can't push power almost every wind tunnel other than other than I think specialized you can push one fifty. They have mm-hmm. a, a kicker underneath, but yeah, I like I can go back and look what I did. Like I my best TT ever I did in when I was third in twenty. 16 to it's a very different course it's a big hot dog but i think i did 370 something at mm-hmm. like 63 kilo and like it was almost never out of the bars and that was like my best power ever in tt position um i feel like this year was more like 350 i don't remember exactly but it was you know a good bit less i hadn't done much training in it um yeah but i also like i've never struggled to be in that position whereas i mean your ft your ftp in an in a normal it, bike position, like got to be close to four hundred. No, and I wouldn't. I mean, I obviously I live in Boulder. I, 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 I haven't done a twenty minute test in years and years and years. Um, mm. But yeah, like I think my I did a thirty minute test at the end of Tucson camp two years ago. Like last year, I think was three eighty. But like, I've always been very similar TT bike to road bike. Okay. Not much changes, which is why I was like, I'm a tiny kid, which is why I was good at time trial. I could be somewhat arrow and still put out power, enough power to justify it. 
But I mean, you compare that to like, this is why I like kind of like I loved the TT thing, but then got my ass kicked by Brandon. Like I realized there's this one section where I was looking at Strava after and it's kind of a three mile, mile and a half up, mile and a half back, like 4%. And I was like trying to pace it well. Everyone overpaces that course. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go do, you know, like 400 up and I'll do like 330, 340 down. Brandon did 490 up and 400 down. He was taking 20 seconds in three miles every single lap. Mm-hmm. And that is the difference between world-class and subclass. It's, it's just, it's being a specialist and being able to pretty much do your VO2 in the, in the position, which is something I don't, yeah. I don't have. I, I can pace, I can pace well, I'm intelligent, but that doesn't make me a really yeah. good time trial rider. 490 watts in the TT position sounds, sounds brutal. <laughs> to say the least. I, I mean, in any position. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, next listener so, question. Do we want to keep going or you, were you guys at time-wise? Uh, yeah, let's cut it. All right. We can cut it. I feel like we got a good one here. Yeah, this this is long enough. Over an hour. Yeah. Wait, so is but but is the cheese really the best thing in Switzerland? Probably chocolate. You, none of you guys are from Switzerland. Let the no, guy from it, Switzerland. The currency. Oh, oh. see. The curveball, the currency. Yes. All right. Always talking about that paper. I, I mean, I, I part of me would ask why, but I feel like the I wouldn't understand the answer if I asked why. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Last thing. Predictions. Wet or dry? What? On Saturday. Well, I mean, according to the weather right now, it looks wet, so... Wet, but not like last year. In Virginia or in Wisconsin? <laughs> no one cared about your dumb cross race in Virginia. <laughs> I know, to be quite honest, I don't even care that much. I don't think I've done a single cyclocross start or barriers, like, all year. Did you actually lose that, though? I don't know. I hope not. I really hope not. Yeah, you'll be you're fine. Good, you're good at coaching, aren't you? Yeah, I'm really good at coaching, but practice. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's shut it down. Cool. We'll uh, we'll see most of you boys uh, on Saturday. Or I guess I'll Thanks see you for tomorrow. Thanks for being on, guys. Yep. Coney, are you staying at the house too? Yes. Oh, sick. We're going to be roommates. Yep. Yes. All right. Meet him in Catch the flesh. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you tomorrow night. Yep. See you. Bye. Right. See you. Later, fellas. Bye.